Hello, weary internet travelers, and welcome once again to the In Between Show, Roadshow Edition. Um, if you listened to the last episode, you know that uh, my wife Kristen and I went to the Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles, California to see two silent movies on the 90th anniversary of their premiere, and now we're going to talk about what we thought about those movies. If you haven't listened to that episode, go do so. You get a little bit of a history lesson in that episode. This is going to be more of an analysis of the films, so we will go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Kristen, you are here. Hello. Hi. Um, and yeah, so the night started, and uh, um, Carrie Bowman, Bochamp, Carrie Bochamp. Yes. She introed with a really cool little um, Mary Pickford history lesson. Yeah. About just kind of about who she was rather than the film we were going to be watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was cool. And then we got to watch the movie Sparrows. Yep. Which we talked about last time was about her working on this baby farm, which was basically uh, slaves, baby, like children, child slave labor. Yes. Um, in uh, somewhere south and basically their escape from that. Um, so what did you think about Sparrows? It was good. Uh, I definitely teared up. Spoilers, a baby died and I definitely teared up when that happened. Yeah, and the way they showed that was uh, pretty crazy, too. Yeah, Jesus came and took the baby away. Yeah, like physically. Like, Jesus physically came and took the baby away. I mean, that was a metaphor. She woke up and looked down at the baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I missed that part, I guess. Yeah, she looked uh, She looked down at the baby. They just, uh, they, ha- they had, I, I noticed, spoil- I mean, spoilers, I guess, for the next part of this podcast but they found very creative ways to show violence and that was one of it one of them they didn't want to show a dead baby so they had jesus come take it away like it's spirit and then uh molly was the character name woke up with a dead baby in her arms but it just showed her looking down at it yeah, and the baby didn't die violently. No, it was sick the whole time. Yeah, it was sick and died. Um, so yeah, that was your first um, experience with a silent film. Yeah. What did you think? It was good. Um, it was very interesting. I thought Mary Pickford obviously was very good. Um, her facial expressions, man, on point. And, uh, it was very, what I noticed was with the, what do you call the, the words? The title cards. The title cards. So they would start saying something and then if they wanted a title card, they'd put the title card and then they'd finish saying that sentence after the title card. Yes. So it was like, it was very, that was weird to get used to. Um, just because I, it was jarring a little bit to see, to Oh, I just read that, but now you're still saying it. I don't understand. Um, the kids were adorable. Uh, the the bad the bad guy was really good. Yeah, the yeah, old he man. Was. He. I felt like that guy ran a baby farm in real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I thought even the mom did really good. She didn't have very many lines, and she didn't say much, and she didn't really do much, but she had a lot of really good facial expressions of, like, hopelessness, and um, just, just, she had obviously resigned herself to knowing that this is what her life was, but she, and she didn't necessarily like it, and she felt very hopeless in her situation, but she felt like she didn't have any other choice, and I knew that through her facial expressions. Yep. So, I mean, I liked it. Is what I'm trying to say. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it was a good movie. Um, Mary Pickford is an incredible actress. That yeah. was my first experience seeing a Mary Pickford film or a drama, a silent drama. Mm-hmm. Not just any drama, a silent drama. Yeah. Um, I'd only seen silent comedies before, so we'll get into that also with the next movie since it was a silent uh, action-adventure movie. Um, yep. And... Yeah, so so seeing this drama, you know, you consider, when you think of a drama, you think of this highly emotional thing, and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around that not being conveyed through dialogue. Yes. But they did an excellent job uh, yeah. not doing that, partially because they, like, they didn't know any better. You yeah. know, they, they were limited by that, so they had no option. But Mary Pickford has such a great face. Um as far as her expressions. Yeah. Um, actually, if I have one little complaint, I understand she was a leading lady, but I feel like compared to the rest of the kids, she was a little too pretty all the time. Okay. Um, to be believable in the horrible situation. Yeah. She was just a little too, like, movie star looking in the movie. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's the beginning of film, so, like, they, they didn't really know, but I feel like a lot of the other kids look, like, super dirty yeah. and, like... Worked super hard, but she was the star, so she couldn't. Yeah. And I was like, mm, you're a little too done up <laughs> yeah. to, to really buy you as, like, this, like, uh, driven super hard by the slave driver type guy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's a super minor complaint. Um, I think the movie works really well delivering on its themes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sets up really early on about how the Lord looks over at all the sparrows that fall out of the tree and obviously mm-hmm. they use the metaphor for that the children being sparrows and they pay that off at the end yeah um with a line i also thought it was interesting that uh you know i think one of the things that you see a lot of in older movies is just like old timey racism and sexism and mm-hmm. none of that in this movie really. No. Um, then again, there weren't like any minorities in this movie either. No, but you know, they really could have like made him super racist or made Mary's or Molly's motivation be like, Oh, I just want to get out of here and find a husband. Mm-hmm. And like, that wasn't a thing for her. And like, you know, she wanted to be a maternal figure to the rest of the kids, but they mm-hmm. didn't, they, like, she wanted it so bad, you know? And yeah. it wasn't, like, this statement of, well, that's what a woman should, like, it, it, that's all a woman is good for. It was just, like, this is what this particular woman wants Well, she took it life. on because that was the only thing that gave her any comfort out of that whole entire situation, was yeah. knowing that she was the kid's comfort and the kid's safety net. Yeah, but I mean, also it was, it was not, um, 
you know, it, it didn't make a comment on, like, that's how women should be, though. It was just, like, yeah. she wants to be that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was cool. Uh, I thought that was interesting, actually, because I think you see a lot of silent era movies be, uh, not as kind toward ladies and minorities. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. She had a say, obviously, in how that went down because she was a producer on the film. It was produced by United Artists, which was the collection of her, her husband, Douglas Fairbanks, Charlie Chaplin, and D.W. Griffith was the name I couldn't remember in the last episode. Okay. And D.W. Griffith, Griffith directed Birth of a Nation. Oh. Yep. Um, one of the most racist movies of all time. The Yay. most racist movie of all time. Uh, so I thought that was, that was interesting. Um, I think we would be remiss if we did not talk about the guy who was playing the piano. Oh my goodness. He was so good. Mike something. I know his name was Mike. Okay, I didn't even get that. Yeah, so. I don't know what his last name was, but he may have been the single best live musician I have ever heard. Okay. And I mean that because, one, he was an old guy. He was probably in his 80s. Yes. And he played the entire time for both of these movies. Mm -hmm. And it was roughly three hours for both of them. They're both 80-something minutes long. And not only that, he played without any music in front of him. Yeah. And that blew my mind. Because you are a musician. Yes. And you sing opera and things like that. And I have been to enough of your performances at this point mm -hmm. to know that most accompanists have music in front of them while they're playing. Yeah. And this guy just, nope, I'm just going to roll with this. And you said you had a couple theories on that. Well, I mean, they're definitely, I know people before who have memorized entire scores. I've also memorized an entire score of an opera and that is a thing that happens. However, um, though I feel like he probably didn't stray too far away from the original overtures, I think that he knew enough about that style of music and was very comfortable and had been playing that forever that he could just look at the movie, see what was going on, and immediately know already, and it maybe even, I'd obviously had seen those movies before, um... And just improvise the entire time. He was improvising while the movies weren't going, when the curtains were moving in to shape the, or to frame the screen, um, before the movies, during the, a little bit during the intermission, he, like, he just knew what he was doing, and he knew all of the patterns and everything that that genre used. So it wouldn't have surprised me if he improvised most of that either. Yeah, that's still astounding. Yeah. But also, he was so old that it was probably incredibly easy for him. Yeah. Which is impressive, I'm just saying. It was probably not very big of a deal to him. He made it seem like it was not... Yeah. Like, he was... It seemed like he was just chilling. Yeah, he did play constantly for three hours, which is kind of insane. Like, he was not... It didn't bother him at all. 
Yeah. He could have done that for longer. Yeah. It seemed like he was like hanging out and then just happened to be playing the piano. Yeah. It was crazy. So yeah, it was, uh, that was cool. I'd never seen a movie with live accompaniment before. Um, the only silent movies I had seen have been at home. So I liked that. And then we took a short intermission after Sparrows. Uh, Sparrows is a good movie, by the way. You should see it. Uh, if you like silent movies and if you want to get into silent dramas, I think it's probably a good entry point yeah. into silent dramas. Um, it's a pretty compelling story. It's like 86 minutes, so it's not it's not a big time commitment. Um, I don't know where you can find it. Uh, you know, it's probably on Amazon Video is where I would start because they have a lot of silent films on Amazon Video. That's probably the biggest reason to have an Amazon Prime account, I think. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, so we had a brief intermission, mm-hmm. and then we came back, and uh, um, Tracy, I don't remember her last name, Tracy Whoops. someone, introduced the Black Pirate, and then there was a dancing prologue yep. by the Hollywood Hot Shots. Yep, which we described in the last one. Yes, there were a Rockette-style uh, dance troupe who were dressed as uh, lady pirates and buccaneers yep and performed three dance routines uh one was pirate themed and i think the other two were not necessarily yeah i mean it was it was loosely like in the style of 20s like kind of a theme and kind of just 20s dancing yeah what did you think about that part I felt so sad because in that style, you are supposed to clap along, especially when they're solo dancing, which they did a lot of, and no one was down for it except for one lady next to me who was really trying and who I think knew one of the Buccaneer beauties. Yeah. And uh, at one point, a few people did, and I was just like, I did at one point, and then I was just like, man, no one is into clapping right now. So I felt kind of bad about that. Yeah, that may have helped. It seemed a little awkward to my 2016 brain, Mm -hmm. which I think may have led to a lot of people not clapping. Mm -hmm. Um, Mainly because they were, like, silent the whole time. Like, they didn't even come out and be like, hi, everybody. They just, like, came out and they were, like, silent and pretty and then danced and then they left. Yeah, that's the style of that. I know. It just was very strange. It was very strange to me because I'm used to the performers at least interacting a little bit before or after. We're going to watch Annie at some point so you know what this is that was supposed to be yeah so it was i mean it was cool like they were clearly talented and seemed to have been enjoying them enjoying themselves but it was just one of those like i don't know how this worked back in the day things although i did like that i got to experience that i think that uh that's not an experience most people get Mm -hmm. we were told that it was the first dance prologue to happen in that theater in about 85 years yeah and so that was cool um, and then the movie The Black Pirate started, starring Douglas Fairbanks Sr. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Douglas Fairbanks Jr., who was in a lot of movies as well. This was his father, Douglas Fairbanks Sr., who was married to Mary Pickford. And you can hear more about that on the previous episode. But that movie is about a man who his ship is uh, set upon by pirates. Yep. And... He washes up on shore with his dying father, and his father dies on an island yep. at the hand of the pirates, kind of. Um, they in- injured him to the point of his Well, what happened dying. is they blew up the ship with everyone on it, and they happened to survive, and the dad survived long enough to, like, 
die on the island. Die on the island. Yeah. So he vowed to get revenge on those who, on the pirates, basically, and did so by uh, going undercover and saying he wanted to join their company and breaking them down from the inside. So, you know, it was this this weird juxtaposition with the first movie because it was so much, I mean, I know it doesn't sound like it the way we described it, but it was so much lighter in tone. Mm-hmm. than sparrows that it was like oh man like going to that was so jarring a little bit not in a bad way uh i mean there was also a lot of drama there were a lot of different subplots going on that's true so i don't know if i was as jarred as you were um so what what did you think of the black pirate it was really good it was my favorite out of the two uh man all of those subplots and like People, like, trying to mutiny over the new captain and all this stuff, and except for he also had a plan, and uh, the villain was so good. He was so creepy and so just, like, everything about him was disgusting. Yes. Um, I mean, his plot basically revolved around him trying to rape a woman. Yes. (laughs) But, like, he was really smart and cunning and, like... You could tell from the beginning, from the very... So, so the Black Pirate, the guy who infiltrated the pirates, uh, actually killed the captain in a in a fair fight um, in order to gain everyone's trust. But right from the, from the very beginning, from that moment, the villain of this movie, you know. You just know that he's not down. He's not down with it. And... It keeps cutting back to him every time the Black Pirate, like, says something or tries to convince the men something, and you just know. He's planning something. He's scheming from the very beginning. Um, it, gosh, there was just so much plot with so little dialogue. I was super impressed, and it was super fun, and it was just all around just very good. Yeah, it was really good. And the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. Um, one of the things in both movies is I liked the way they were able to show title cards via different, rather than just cutting to the same title card template, Mm -hmm. they like showed letters, like close-ups of letters or close-ups of tombstones. Mm -hmm. And every single one of those, like every time there was text on screen, it moved the plot forward. Yeah. Even if it was an object in the reality of the movie. Yeah. And I liked that. I thought that was a cool way to kind of break that up visually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie, I think the Black Pirate was super well made. Yeah. Um, it is one of the first movies to be shot in Technicolor. Yeah. Oh, so here's the thing. Um, so you said it didn't have blue and yellow, mm-hmm. but the, the historian said there wasn't blue. Okay, am I crazy or was there a blue parrot in the beginning of that scene? Because I was just staring at that blue parrot going, blue. I don't know. I'm pretty sure there was a blue parrot in that in that beginning scene. And I was like, don't tell me there isn't blue and then give me a blue parrot. I don't know. Yep. I didn't notice. Yep. Oh. Huh. I don't know if the film had just faded to where it looked more blue. Yeah, because she said it was a lot of greens, blacks, and browns, and reds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't notice. But it definitely, that was the first thing I noticed. Huh. Um, 
I'm interested to go over and see that yeah. now. But yeah, I I really liked it. Um, I thought the action was really good in this movie. I thought it, it was, was a good action movie. Yeah. And I was not expecting that from 1926. And the the sword fight in question was so cool. Yeah. It was a really good sword fight sequence. Mm-hmm. One of the best ones I think I've ever seen. Um, you know, I mean, up there with the movie from the 30s, The Adventures of Robin Hood. Great movie. If you guys haven't seen that, you should go see it. And yeah, I, I just really liked it. It seemed very real. You the know. fighting was definitely the swords were a little bit fake looking. Yeah, but the fighting was definitely real. Yes, yeah, it seemed like they were really good fencers, mm-hmm. and it it showed, you know. And even even the way he like he killed the pirate captain was really clever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's neat, that's cool. And yeah, it was it was a really good time. And then watching some of the. Uh, some of the ways they got around having to get them to climb vertically, like towards the end when they pass him up the ship, but yeah. it's clearly like they're just in the ground. Yeah. Like they just built that on the floor and suspended the camera above it. I thought was really funny. Um, I think Douglas Herbanks is a really good actor. Yeah. He, uh, he just really like, he really fills in that leading man role, you know? And I had one other thing to say and I forgot what it was. Oh, I don't remember what it was. It was something kind of important too. He was a really good actor. Mm hmm. The action was really cool. The action was really cool. Um, gosh, I really don't remember. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Uh, all right. Well, you guys get to hear that because it's, uh, this episode is unedited. So yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say, but I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a really good action adventure movie. I think it's, uh, when you hear the term swashbuckling, I think this is a movie that should come into mind. And, you know, I think that there's a reason the Egyptian decided to show those movies and they do stand the test of time. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that they are very well done um i think that they show a lot of what can be accomplished through visual storytelling you know um and it's interesting to kind of see that and juxtapose it with how much we get revealed to us in dialogue in movies now like how much we almost use dialogue as a crutch yeah now and i like quieter movies sometimes you know um there's a great movie from a few years ago about uh, Jesse James called The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford starring Brad Pitt. And it's like almost two hours and 45 minutes and it's a really quiet movie, but there's a lot of really good visual storytelling and some of my favorite camera work I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of easy to forget that uh, first and foremost, movies are a visual format. Yeah. You know, um, And that's not to say, like, recently we watched Spotlight, and that's nothing but talking. And so there's a place, certainly, for movies that are nothing but talking. And I think Mm -hmm. the reveal of information in that movie is very good through the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think that the the reveal of information visually in the movie is kind of minimal at best. Mm -hmm. But then you see something like, you know, Sparrows, which is pretty dramatic and the way they convey the drama through the visual storytelling is incredible too Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, there's no, there's no necessarily wrong way to do it. But I think that there are, if you're going to have it be very dialogue driven, it has to look a specific way. And if you're going to have it be very visually driven, it has to look a specific way. Okay. Um, and, and so it was just cool to kind of go back in time, you know, you guys listen to the podcast, you hear my voice every week, and you know one of my things is taking an older movie and putting it into the context in which it was made. And yep. I think this was an experience that was as close as we possibly could get. We were talking about this at dinner. As close as we could possibly get to going back in time and doing it. We, you know, I said it was yeah. basically uh, Ren Faire for cinema nerds. <laughs> and uh, I don't, I kind of stick by that. Like, it, it felt like trans being transported to another time. Yeah. Kind of an experiencing this sort of movie going experience that doesn't happen anymore yeah and i think just for that it was it was absolutely worth going to yeah side note um i think it would have been really cool to so what happened was uh one of the kids in the first movie her daughter was there and i think it would have been really cool to see like, after all that time, to see your mom, who has passed away as a child in a movie. Oh, yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Just a side note, um, especially that child who was adorable. Man, that kid was super cute. Yeah, she was the kid that got kidnapped, if you ever see this movie. But... Yeah, she was very Shirley Temple looking. Yeah. Just like a little strawberry blonde redhead mm -hmm. girl, like, with super curly hair. Yeah. Yeah. She, she reminded me a lot of, like, a little chunky toddler version of, <laughs> of uh, Shirley Temple. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And yeah, I actually, I would have liked to have heard from her. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. I, it, she was older and it looked like she kind of just wanted to enjoy the movie. Yeah. So I understand. But. It's true. But yeah, that was, it was a good time and thank you for going. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And thank you for listening. Um, you can, Follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You are on Twitter now. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you made me do it. I'm at Mrs. Smith Soprano so that I can do some uh, vocal networking stuff. But also, you know, I, I'll talk to other people, too. So. Yeah. And you're also on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> at Mrs. Smith's Life is the instagram okay and you can follow the show on twitter at before and after pod that's at before the letter n after pod you can find us on facebook itunes soundcloud email the show before and after show at gmail.com let us know uh what you think let us know if there's an, even an audience for this kind of stuff anymore um and and yeah we will talk to you later until next time go watch the sparrow and the black pirate do it <laughs>